CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. Good morning, everybody. Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Beat Week 2 Recap Part 2. We spent so much time talking about Quinn Nordine and the offense yesterday. We had to break this up into two parts. So we're going to hit you with the defensive side of the ball this morning, and then we're going to go back out there at 3.30 this afternoon and watch the Patriots practice once again, hopefully in full pads again this time so we get to see some more live contact and really sink our teeth into some of these things that's going on uh, on the offense and the defensive side of football. Some news breaking yesterday, Alex, that pertains to the defense with Raquan McMillan going on injured reserve, a tough break for him. He was somebody that I had highlighted on my list here to talk about in terms of making the roster and honestly having a role on this team yeah. this year. So a tough break for him. We're going to get to the linebackers here in a second and the Raquan McMillan injury. We'll talk about it a little bit more. But I wanted to work from the first level on back, right? So we'll start with the defensive line and we'll work our way backwards. I I think what we have seen, and there's one sleeper player I wanted to discuss in this group, but with Devon Godshaw, Henry Anderson, Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, that that foursome, I I think what we're seeing is maybe not necessarily a big-time difference maker out of that group, but certainly four players that – are going to play their roles and do what they are on the roster to do, right? Which is eat up double teams, plug gaps, take on blockers, and just occupy offensive linemen so that the linebackers, Udon, Hightower, uh, Uche, Bentley, all those guys behind them and to the sides of them, Kyle Van Noy, can do what they do best, right? And that that's make splash right. plays and, and get after the ball carrier. So who run through those four again? So I, I Godshaw, Anderson, Wise, and Guy. Now there's one player okay. that's been hurt. That's Christian Barmore. I want to talk about him separately in a second. Okay. So those four, I think I look at those players as tactical players, right? Players yeah. that have a role on this team. And Godshaw's the nose tackle guys, your strong side defensive end. Henry Anderson and Wise are kind of splitting reps in that weak side defensive end spot. And I don't know if any of those four, maybe Gotcha has a chance to sort of develop into a true every down difference maker. But for me, those guys are just very, very good in their roles that they have pegged on this roster right now. Yeah, so that that's why I just asked you to go back through that list again. I couldn't remember if you said Barmore, and I think he is a real chance to be a playmaker up front. Right. And, and I would agree with your assessment on Godshaw, I think, and I've talked about this on the show before. He's had a knack, and, and not so much the last few practices, but early on, he had a knack for for batting down balls at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, for a defensive tackle, that's a playmaker ability. So we'll see if he keeps doing that. He's a player I'm really excited about. But, yeah, you know, you remember where they were at times last year yeah. up front defensively and, you know, having to pull guys up off the practice squad the day of games and just getting run all over. I mean, look, injuries could hit him again, obviously, but the depth there this year is so much better, right? They were relying on Carl Davis to be a starter last year. Carl Davis is now a bubble guy. I think he's played well enough to to maybe earn his way onto the back end of the roster, but there is that tremendous depth that it's a little tough. You might need an injury or two for that to happen. I know you have another guy. I think I know who you have in mind, so I won't spoil it, who kind of fits that description as well. Um, am I right? It wasn't Carl Davis? It was Carl Davis. That's it okay. was Carl Davis. You well, can so get was- another guy. 
Well, so I was going to some people have Montrevious Adams has kind of come along yeah. and yeah. I, I don't know that he's popped to me as much as some other people, but maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I need to look closer. Um, so, you know, they're, they, they have bodies there. They have the bodies there to do what they need to do. I don't think that they just had, uh, you know, when I say the personnel, I don't mean players who couldn't do it. I, I just think they didn't have the numbers to get it done last year and now they do. So that's exciting. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for Henry Anderson too. He was hurt for the first padded practice. So I'm a little bit in the second padded practice, but you know, today he's actually somebody assuming they're fully padded today, which I think they will be going into today. He's somebody that I'm actually planning on watching pretty closely. Yeah. And the second padded practice, I thought Henry Anderson was really solid and he's such a, a player that I think is maybe a little bit more finesse and maybe a little bit more, explosive I guess I would describe it than somebody like Lawrence Guy but I think that he's got the same sort of lunch pail attitude as Lawrence Guy right he's not necessarily going to put up double digit sack numbers in this defense and he, I don't think that he's going to make any all pro teams or anything like that but he's just going to sort of do his job and I think that's sort of the mantra with this entire defensive line right now and Devon Godshaw, when we spoke to him, I think it was during minicamp or OTAs when we talked to him about this, or maybe right after he signed, and he just talked about how the Patriots value the nose tackle position in particular, but I think that this pertains to the entire defensive line, is that they value guys that just do their the dirty work in, in the trenches, right? They, they don't necessarily need a, an Aaron Donald. It would be great. To, everybody would love to have an Aaron Donald but they don't necessarily need their defensive linemen to be those types of big-time playmakers, those big-time sack guys. Uh, and, and I think that that's where this group sort of is going, and, and that's why I think it's a very solid group. Now, the player that I wanted to bring up was Christian Barmore because if there's one guy that we have seen on this defensive line through, was it been nine training camp practices? He didn't practice. I, I've been calling it eight and a half the way that scrimmage ran. Yeah, fair enough. They didn't, <laughs> he didn't practice on the second padded day, right? And he practiced for, I would say, what, three fourths of the first padded day before he went out with that injury, something like that. Yeah, I, I would say, I, I thought it was like closer to 80, 85%. Yeah. But yeah, he didn't finish. He made it most of the way. And if there is going to be a difference maker, if there's going to be a guy that is above just a good role player, right? I think Christian Barmore is going to be that guy. And he's certainly in that first padded practice on Tuesday showed flashes, especially in one-on-ones where I think he went four or five and some people actually had him five of five. He was an absolute menace rushing from different alignments, whether it was defensive end alignments or, or D tackle alignments, different pass rush moves, uh, a wide repertoire for, especially for a first year player. Usually if you come in from the draft, as a pass rusher or as a defensive lineman or edge, and you have one go-to move, that that's good, right? That 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 right. that's that's a good thing. In college, a lot of guys come in; they're very raw. Uh, they're they're mostly winning on athleticism at the college level, right? They're not necessarily winning with the hand technique and the and the tacti- tactical part of the game. Barmore came in in that first one-on-ones, and he flashed. I think two or three different solid rush moves rushing from all over the the defensive front. Then he was pretty good in team drills before he got injured. If there is a guy that can blossom into a three down game wrecker on this defensive line, it is certainly Christian Barmore. And he is, I think, a little playing a little pissed off that he didn't get drafted in the first round. I think that he is going to wear that chip on his shoulder. 
they, I, I think there's a real chance the most impactful rookie from Alabama on this team this year is Christian Barmore. This yeah. year. I think there's a real chance of that. And you mentioned the three down ability, right? When they drafted Barmore, everybody remembers it was okay. Like he's a great pass rusher right, right away. He'll fill Adam Butler's role, situational interior pass rusher. We'll see how the rest of his game develops. And then he comes out in that first padded practice in 11 on 11s and he's blowing up running plays from the inside. And it's okay. Well, didn't expect that right away. So yeah, I, I think that there's, if when he, once he gets back on the field and that's obviously an important part of it, but once he gets back on the field, there's a lot of reason to be excited about this kid. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember one particular play that stood out on that first pratted practice. He was on the same side of the formation as Matt Judon. And it was Judon on the edge and Barmore as the 3-4 defensive end. And they just absolutely reset the line of scrimmage and then collapsed on the hole when the runner picked the side, you know, the hole that he was going to go on in that side. And I said, whoa, you know, that that's that's advanced stuff from Christian Barmore, right? That That's not, as a run defender, I wasn't necessarily expecting him to be that good at it this early on. I knew he was going to be an effective pass rusher. I wasn't sure if the run defense was going to come along fast enough for them to give him a real role, you know, not, not just play him on 25, 30% of the snaps as a rookie, as a situational pass rusher, but really play him on more than one down. And I don't know. When I look at this group, I liked Henry Anderson a lot. Like I said, I think Dietrich Wise is fine, but I I think it's going to be tough for them to keep Christian Barmore off the field for a lot of these plays because he truly is the most explosive and sort of most, like we've been saying, kind of the best game record up front. And it sort of feels like he's going to play a lot sooner rather than later. I would, like you said, I think he's going to play a big role as a rookie. I don't know if he's going to be a Chase Winovich, Adam Butler, 25, 30% of the snaps as a rookie, if he's healthy, right? He's got to get back right. out there. Right. And he's got to get back out there quickly because if he misses too many training camp practices, they're going to bury him on the depth chart because they're going to say he's not ready. I absolutely agree. And just to answer a quick question in the chat, those when he's blowing up the run plays, that was against the starters. Yeah. That was against the starting uh, the starting yeah. offensive line. I don't remember who the quarterback was, was, but he was moving starting offensive lineman out of the way. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. The thing is with him, you know, even their veteran defensive linemen, especially on the interior, play 40, 45% of the snaps. They rotate those right. guys a ton. So he has a chance to make a big impact without being on the field a lot. And that's big for a rookie. Yeah. So I also really liked Carl Davis's camp so far, especially the the opportunities and pads. I, I don't know if they're going to keep that would be what uh, six defensive linemen, right? If they add Carl Davis into the mix as well, you got Barmore, Godshaw, Anderson, Wise, Davis, Guy. So yeah, that that's six guys as interior defensive linemen. I don't know if they'll keep six. They might only go with five and stash some of those guys on the practice squad and use game day elevations and different things that we've discussed to kind of save roster spots there. But Carl Davis, he is 6'6", 320 pounds, moves very well for his size, flashed a little bit in one-on-ones, flashed a little bit against the run when they got into some of the run periods. I thought in the three games that he played for the Patriots last year, he was pretty solid as well. Probably their best nose tackle that they had last year when he was healthy and out there. Now it was a short period of time. But I like Carl Davis' skill set. I like the mold of clay there. I think that he can be a player that that can rotate in on a defensive line and be a successful player in the league. Uh, we'll see if they they have a roster spot for him. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to want to carry 
six interior guys knowing that those five guys in front of him, if all healthy, are going to play a ton of the snaps. And I, unless he has a really, really strong preseason game or joint practice session or something like that, they, they might be able to get him back on the practice squad, especially in these COVID years. It's oh, teams tend to favor their the guys that they have in house, right? You know, they they, they right. tend to to favor those guys. So maybe they can sneak him onto the practice squad if they're quiet enough about. It. I think Carl Davis is an NFL player, so they're going to have to be quiet about it. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the only issue they they missed him last year. The only issue with him is he kept get he had I think three concussions last year, right? Or was it two concussions? He might have had a foot injury or something. I forget. He was hurt a ton, uh, but no, I I I think they found something in him. He's He's their kind of defensive tackle. You just sort of went into it, but he's a guy who's going to be able to do exactly what they need to do. He reminds me of Lawrence guy a bit, a bit. I don't know that he has as much positional versatility as guy does. I don't know that I'd stick him out on the end as much as they do with Lawrence guy, but there's some similar skill sets there. So yeah, right now, you know, I, I'll have my first roster projection out or my second. I did the way too early one after spring practices. Um, all of that out Monday on 985thesportshub.com. I have I have Davis off right now, but he's off. And the, the, the wording I use is he's just a numbers crunch right now. You can right. only keep 53 players. There's been more than 53 players that have played in an NFL level right now. So, you know, he's maybe an injury away or a breakout preseason game away or something for making the team. So, All right, let's move outside on the line of scrimmage and talk about some of these edge guys. The first padded practice last Tuesday, Matt Judon was – an absolute force. The second padded practice, especially in one-on-ones, wasn't quite as stellar as the first one. But I think either way you put it, and I I thought what Belichick said about Matt Judon last week was really important, which was we might call it something a little bit different. We might do it a tad bit differently. But the transition from the Baltimore defense to the Patriots defense for Judon should be really, really easy. They're going to ask him to do most of the same things, you know, set the edge, rush the passer uh, within the scheme, stunts, picks, you know, things like that. That was all a big part of uh, Wink Martindale's scheme in Baltimore as, as well. So Judon looks to me like the player that they gave $18 million a year to. And I, I don't know, you can, if you have a big take on Judon, you can give it, but it pretty much as advertised is my take on the situation. Not a big one. I'll just, it actually goes to something you were saying before, right? Where you were talking about Christian Barmore, what you were impressed with the different number of pass rush techniques he has. Judon's bat. And, and you talked about like how important it is to have all these, like the more techniques you have, the better, right? Right. Judon's, Judon's bag is deep. He's got one of those, you know, there's those little toolboxes you get when you first get your set of tools. There's like the big metal six-foot toolbox you put on the back of a pickup truck. Right. That's how big his toolbox is. I mean, I don't think in between one-on-ones, live drills, and 11s, I don't think I've seen the same move from him twice yet. He's got a lot of moves at his disposal. They all look like they're pretty good. So, I mean, that that's why I'm excited because the Patriots are generally good with those guys. It's not... You know, if, if you ask Bill Belichick, you can have one of two players. You can have a guy who has one move that he's perfected or another guy with seven or eight great moves. I think he's going to take the second player because it's just so hard to get a beat on that guy and, and, and build a tempo against that guy and kind of get into a rhythm against that guy. The Patriots love those kind of players that, you know, can counter that, you know, you counter, they counter back, you counter, they counter back. Right. That's Matt. That's been Matt Judon so far. So that like one, spe- he's been very good overall, but that one specific thing has stood out to me because that's something I know the Patriots know how to capitalize on. 
Yeah, and just a very firm, firm edge setter. And I think when you talk about the pass rush moves and the techniques and the hand usage and stuff like that, and you listen to some of the younger players on the Patriots at this position, Josh Uche, Ronnie Perkins, those guys are talking about studying with Judon, right, and and watching Judon. When Judon's out there on the field, Ronnie Perkins has talked a lot about, I'm kind of standing behind him and watching what he's doing right and trying to learn from him that's when you know because guys will say that all the time about like Dante Hightower or Devin McCourty or or Stephon Gilmore right so that's when you know when they have the respect of the players on the team at that position and those guys those younger guys are trying to study and learn from that player that that, I think that's when you know that that guy is special so I think that's really good news for the Patriots that not that we thought that Matt Judon was going to be a bad signing, but I think we're trending towards that being a really good one. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, you know a player is good because you watch him on tape, you see him on the highlights, but you, it, you can't, at least us, the team can do it. We can't get the full picture of a player until we see him in person and practice, things like that. So this is just kind of reacting to, we knew Matt Judon was good, but now we're getting to see kind of the, we, we'd seen partially what he could do. We've now had the opportunity to see the full picture and yeah, it lines up. It lines up with what we knew before, maybe even exceeding those expectations. He looks really freaking good. Yeah. All right. So Josh Uche, another player in the spring, and and I want to quickly put this caveat on Kyle Van Noy has been in the red non-contact jersey for all the training camp. So we're not going to discuss him a ton because he hasn't had any live reps yet. But Josh Uche is sort of next on my list here. I think there are flashes and there are moments of just – elite pass rush ability from Josh Uche, right? The the explosiveness off the ball, the ability to turn the corner. He has reps that are special. And and you look at those reps individually and you say, wow, you know, this player is going to be very, very good. I still think as a second year player, this is probably a given for any second year player. You're looking for that consistency down to down because he does flash every, these crazy good pass rushes sometimes but then there are other times where his first move is stalled by Trent Brown or Isaiah Wynn very two very good tackles and he's kind of stuck in the sand right there are also moments I think where he is going to have to get a little bit sturdier out on the edge and and this is something that we've talked about a little bit with Chase Winovich as well right just you're playing a three four outside linebacker role at 240, 245 pounds, you're going up against tackles like Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn, or you're going up against tight ends like Johnny and Hunter Henry, and you got to have some sand in your pants, right? You got to be able to set the edge. You got to be able to have some physicality to your game. I think Uche's had a really nice lead up to this season in general, right? The spring, he was excellent. Now we still see those flashes. We still see those moments where the pass rush ability is re- is really, really special. I-, I do think that his three down role is still probably more in that high tower mold where on early downs, he's off the line of scrimmage. And then he comes on the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher in situations where it kind of bodes itself more towards the pass rush. I, I-, I don't know if he is a true first down outside linebacker in a three, four system, but that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just think that he is going to have to win with versatility on, on first and second down, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. And I mean, I think that will all come maybe not this year. Right. And, and, and we'll see how it develops, but yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. So anything else on each Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, we can move on. All right. Ronnie Perkins, uh, Patriots 
third round pick certainly has a, an uphill battle. I would say in terms of just going from a four, three defensive end at Oklahoma with his hand in the dirt to a stand up outside linebacker. I have noticed a few good reps against some of these backup tackles, uh, Corey Cunningham, Yadney Kajus, you know, guys like that have had tough camps. So I, I think we're all expecting Ronnie Perkins to be sort of, if he's not a red shirt, maybe he plays a little bit in the kicking game. Uh, I think it's similar to Anthony Jennings rookie season, maybe a little bit. And, and you kind of wait and see in year two, what he can bring to the table. But is there anything that you have seen from Ronnie Perkins that makes you say that he can contribute right away as a rookie? Or are you kind of in my boat that maybe we're going to see a, a slow, a slow roll here with Ron? Maybe late in the year. Maybe late in the year he comes along. He seems to be, you know, a very engaged learner, right? You mentioned him, yeah. him gravitating towards Matthew Judon, he, him speaking with Teddy Bruschi, that kind of thing. So if he can learn quickly, yeah, I think they can get him in. I'm very impressed with just how quick he gets off the line of scrimmage, his initial burst, but he is does seem like more of a project player. Uh, that being said, I, if he's going to contribute this year, I think it's going to be on special teams. He had special teams experience at Oklahoma. We've seen him out there. Uh, you know, getting some special teams reps so far this summer. So that's maybe where we see him right away. But again, he he does strike me as a guy who who seems like he can pick things up relatively quickly. So, you know, a couple guys get banged up as as is what happens over the course of an NFL season. Right. Maybe get to November and he gets his chance and he runs with it. So I'm not expecting him, you know, in the first month or two, but he he's not, I'm not totally writing him off this year either. Yeah, he's got some nice block recognition to him, too, against the run, working against the scout team offense. You've seen those moments where he recognizes the puller or he sees that outside step for outside zone or he's just able to kind of anticipate those types of blocking schemes a little bit. He's a very instinctive player. And we saw that at Oklahoma, and that's why he was around the ball so much for the Oklahoma defense, is he's got great instincts and he got you know this kind of gravity towards the football, which I really like to see out of a player at that position. I do think that standing up on your feet and being on your feet and playing a little bit more in space and playing a little bit more further outside the formation, that that is a, a big transition for a lot of guys. Now, Chase Winovich was able to do it almost instantaneously his rookie season. And he was able to go from a 4-3 end in Michigan system to a 3-4 outside linebacker in the Patriots system pretty easily. The other thing I like about Ronnie Perkins is that he's going to play 3-4 outside linebacker at 255 maybe. I would guess is probably where they would like him to play at. So he's a little bit bigger. He's got a little, a little bit sturdier than guys like Uche and Winovich uh, and the next guy that we're going to talk about, Rashad Berry. He's got a little bit more girth to him. So if he can develop uh, in terms of his sort of understanding of the system and, and his knowledge of the system, I think they're eventually going to really like the fact that he can throw the hands, set the edge, be a little bit sturdier out there than some of these other kind of finesse outside linebackers that they have on the roster. What, what about Rashad Berry? Uh I, I don't know if you said you were doing your roster. Can I, yeah. Can I, can I jump back to Perkins real quick? Oh, I yeah. One quick thing I want to add to that. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the size he plays with, and that's something they're going to like. He plays mean too. He plays nasty. And that that's going to make him honestly, one of the concerns I had with him is he's going to have to reel that in a little bit. Cause he took a couple dumb penalties in college, but don't lose it all the way. Keep playing mean, keep playing nasty, keep playing scrappy. Cause at two fifty five, you play that way. You're going to hit guys. They're going to think you're 260, 265. So I, you know, that's not something you can see in camp. Guys aren't doing that in camp. We're going to have to wait until the preseason and then into the regular season to really see it. But that's one of my favorite things about Ronnie Perkins. He's not out there making friends on the field. 
he, he's got a, a little nasty streak to him. Very nice guy when we talk to him. Very fun guy to talk to. But he's got a little nasty streak out there on the field, and, and he can't help but love that. Absolutely. All right. Rashad Berry, I think he's been maybe one of the surprises of camp so far uh, as a player that speed to power. That That's his move. That was his move at Ohio State when he played as, a, as an outside linebacker, pass rusher when he wasn't playing tight end for Ohio State. He definitely has some power. I think his sort of, I guess, uh, experience, I should say, as a tight end kind of unlocks some really good pad level and kind of makes him understand those types of engagements from both sides, right? What the lineman or what the blocker is trying to do to him as well. But every single time that he rushes and he uses that speed to power move, it definitely flashes a little bit. He was very, very good early on in training camp. I think he's cooled off just a little bit, but he's very involved in the kicking game as well. I think that there's a chance that he makes a team, especially if Chase Winovich is still on PUP or starts the season on PUP. I know Winovich tweet, uh, well, Instagram, I, I should say, or whatever you call that. Uh, you just you just pulled a Belichick. Yeah, I, I'm not an Instagram guy. I, I know that Chase Winovich posted on Instagram, like, something soon, you know, some sort of caption, like, you know, soon, and a picture of himself out there doing drills. So maybe he is coming back sooner rather than later, but – if Jason Winovich is on the outside looking in, if he's a trade candidate, if he's still injured to start the season, Rashad Berry, I think his chances of making the team go up considerably from there. Yeah, he's also a guy, and we've talked about this before. We talked about it yesterday. Is it J.J. Taylor? Are you going to keep six running backs? That may be something right. that keeps Berry off the roster. Nikhil Harry, is it worth keeping him to play 10% of your offensive snaps if you lose Rashad Berry? I think Berry could be very valuable to this team because – He's gotten off to a great start as a pass rusher. He can play on special teams. The other thing, we've talked about this. Are they going to carry a full-time fullback? Because they're not going to use that role a ton. Well, if you have a defensive end who has experience playing tight end, yeah, he might be, and you know, he doesn't have to have a ton of reps on defense where you don't have to worry about wearing him out. He might not be a bad option to fill in as an emergency fullback either. So here's a guy who can potentially play all three phases of the game. They're going to pass on that. I, I think that, that Barry's gotten off to a fantastic start. He's done everything he needs to do. We'll see what happens when we get the joint practice. But yeah, I have him on right now. Um, I think, again, he's going to contribute as a depth player on defense. He's going to contribute as a key player on special teams. And I think if they decide that they don't want to keep a full-time fullback, he's going to be right in the mix for that emergency fullback and goal line fullback job. So, yeah, he's definitely somebody who I think Right. When we talk about value, is he has he been a better player than Nikhil Harry? Uh, just as an example, you could do this with J.J. Taylor. You could right. do this with the eighth offensive lineman. You could do it with whoever. But Nikhil, because he's kind of the, been the contentious one, you know, Nikhil's going to play 10, 10% to 15% of your snaps offensively. And that's probably it, pending a string of injuries. Rashad Berry's going to play 10 to 15% of your snaps defensively. Probably 40 to 50% of your snaps on special teams, and there's a chance he can contribute occasionally on offense. Which player in that dynamic provides more value, even though Nikhil Harry is unquestionably the better player? That's how I look at it. Yeah, I, I, it's not a bad way of looking at it because you have a player in Barry, like you said, that plays can really play in all three phases of the game if you really want him to, right? I mean, he's not right. going to play. I don't, any, I don't know that I'm throwing right. him the ball on offense, but if no, you need a blocker, I'm comfortable. Right. He's not going to play any tight end in this offense, especially with those two guys here. And even Devin Asiasi, who should be back out there today after being activated yesterday, 
they don't have a spot for him at tight end. But like you said, the you know, Landon Roberts thing, right? You know, right. throw him in there as an, a linebacker slash fullback. It, it's possible. And I mentioned the speed to power. That That's pretty much what you're doing as a fullback, right? You're trying to get as much speed right. as you can coming through the what hole. Did, and talking some, what did the land? Sorry, what did what did how did the Landon Roberts describe it? Remember yeah. that run through a run uh, through a uh, MF face? Yeah, yeah. I can, we can we can swear a little bit. Let's not say the okay. whole word, but we can uh, on a mofo's face. I think is uh, yeah. is allowed. So yeah, that, something like that. I, I definitely think you could see that. R- Rashad Berry is look. He's doing everything that he can to make the team. Now, now it, it almost in a lot of ways it's like real life like it comes down it comes down to politics now right it comes down to numbers right. it comes down it comes down to who the coaches like and who they don't you know and, and if they want to keep a guy like Nikhil Harry as you mentioned or a guy like JJ Taylor or or any one of these depth players Carl Davis an eighth offensive lineman it, it really comes down to the numbers crunch for Rashad Barrett he has done everything to this point to make the team uh, the question really is going to be whether or not uh, they have the spot for him moving forward. He does kind of remember when they like they cut Gunner as the 53rd, 54th man, and then they traded, I think is what Keon Crossan, and that opened the spot for Gunner his rookie year as if, and he got on the, he got a call from Bill saying you're cut. And he got a call from Bill an hour right. later and said, you made the team. Uh, maybe not exactly like that, obviously, but it kind of feels like Rashad Berry is the 52nd or the 53rd guy or the 54th guy or something like that. And he's going to have to just cross his fingers and hope that some of those numbers goes his way. Maybe some of these guys that are currently on the PUP list that they want to put on the, on the roster or start the season on pup uh, and and they can make a roster spot for him that way. Um, Well, let's keep moving back uh, inside linebackers or off. Sorry. One more thing. Yeah. Can people please take it easy on me and not take it out of context that I said keep a backup fullback over Nikhil Harry? That's I, I know somebody's going to say that's what I said. That's not what I said. Okay. <laughs> and we're moving to off-ball linebacker. And we could take the next 30 minutes, the last 30 minutes of this show, and just be excited about Dante Hightower returning to this defense, I think, because he looks as good as ever. I think he talked about it after the in-stadium practice on Friday that he feels like this is kind of like a second chance for him in his career, right? He kind of was able, he wasn't injured when he sat out the year because of COVID. He wasn't rehabbing an injury. He wasn't having surgery. Uh, He was fully healthy and able to rest up his body. And now he just kind of feels recharged, rejuvenated a little bit. And he's back out there. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat. I I think he might even be a little bit quicker than he was before. Maybe some of those injuries and some of the just toll on his body was kind of weighing him down a little bit towards the end there before he did sit out the year. So in a way, Dante Hightower sitting out the season, and this was extenuating circumstances, obviously, because of COVID. But I do wonder, you see some of these players – and re- recently, Hightower, obviously, you know, different type of situation. You also had the same thing with Rob Gronkowski, right, where he sits out a year, lets the body heal up, gets through all the bumps and bruises and heals all those types of things. And then he comes back and he's able to still have some left in the tank, right, for the Bucks. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this, come, if this comes up more in the future, I guess is my point, is where players – decide openly i think marshawn lynch is another good example of this even a few years ago right where he decided to kind of retire and then come back with the raiders so hightower looks like 
spry. It looks like he, he's ready to go. Uh, it looks like he's excited to be back as well for the Patriots. Yeah, he does. I There's a lot to be excited about with him. There was one play, like one play, there's been a bunch of good plays, but one play that stood out uh, Thursday. I want to say it was Thursday. It might have been Wednesday, but I'm pretty sure it was Thursday. Uh, he's facing the scout team, but, you know, Brian Hoyer tries to loft a pass over the middle of the tight end, and Hightower got up and deflected it. I don't think I've ever seen him jump that high, and that's the thing. Facing the scout team doesn't allow you to jump any higher, right? It was just right. purely the physical ability he used on the play. It was like, whoa. Yeah. This is a guy who just sat out a year, so you're worried where he's going to be physically. He's jumping higher than I've ever seen him jump before. Okay. Yeah. So that that's kind of what Dante Hightower's camp has been. As you were watching, you're going to see like, okay, did he lose a step while he was off? Is he a little slower? Is he a little slower to react? Blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah. No, he is. He is locked freaking in. Yeah, yeah, he looks great. Uh, somebody mentioned in the chat that the Peloton bike, uh, that that was what Hightower said that he was doing in the in the in the uh, COVID times was he got really into riding the bike and Peloton. Looks like it well, that's worked. what Troy Brown said he did when you saw the picture of Troy Brown. He said yeah. that was mostly Peloton. Yeah, Patriots are a walking ad for Peloton right yeah, now. Yeah, there you go. They, they, Dante Hightower should be their spokesperson going forward, right? You know, play play inside linebacker like Dante Hightower if you get on a Peloton. That, that that's the ad. There you go. They should cut us a check for coming up with this. Right, that's a great idea. Juwan Bentley has quietly, not maybe not even quietly. I think he's had a really good camp. I think he's looked pretty good. He has the two interceptions. The first one definitely being better than the second one. The second one was kind of thrown right to him by Mac Jones. The second, the first one was a legit interception, right? Dropping into the low hole as his own defender, going up in, uh, and leaping up in the air and making an interception. He looks pretty decent in space. You see, the you know Godshot guy Anderson Wise combo up front eating some of those blocks finally holding the point of attack at the line of scrimmage and Juwan Bentley's clean to just kind of mirror the running back and meet guys in the hole. That's what he his bread and butter is. That's what he should be doing when he has to take on guys, slip guys, move guys out of the way, get through the trash. That that's when he tends to have problems. So if you can eliminate some of the trash in front of him, let him just read and react and and go backer back on backer in the hole. That that is going to make things a lot easier for Jawan Bentley. I, I thought that Jawan Bentley coming into training camp needed a good training camp. I, I thought that there was a chance that he could be somebody that was a surprise cut candidate, or maybe they flip him down to Miami or something like that for a late round draft pick. I, I think he's played his way onto the roster, especially with Raquan McMillan's injury. Yeah, I would agree. And the other thing with Bentley is he was a captain for the scrimmage yeah. the other night. So that, I mean, you know, it's a little thing, but it's not. Here. Right. It was, yeah. Right. But like, that's, that's carrying over. We've seen yeah. them have guys who are captain build cut lawyer Malloy, who was a captain. So, right. but you know, he's clearly somebody who, who they plan on keeping around. I agree. He's had a great camp. I think he's kind of solidified his spot with Therese Hall on PUP too. I mean, that that's the group it's high tower and Bentley right now. And we'll see if they, you know, Uche will probably get some run at that spot, but yeah, no, he's, and, and you, you brought up this point a week ago, I, I don't remember, where, you know, Alandon Roberts kind of looked lost at times through his first three years in a similar yeah. way that Bentley looked lost through three years. And then in that fourth year for Roberts, it all just kind of clicked and he had a great year. And Bentley has been compared to Roberts since he was drafted. And right. here we go. Now he's at Alandon Roberts, right? What's up? A bigger Alandon Roberts. Bigger Alandon Roberts, but that's, right. the, you know, popular comparison. So, 
okay, Landon Roberts, it clicked in his fourth year. Bentley's had a very similar career path to this point. Now he's entering that fourth year. So we're going to look at historical context. What does history tell us? Things, there's a good chance things click for Juwan Bentley this year. Like fully click. Not to say he's been bad, but he's had his moments where, you know, he's been out of position or missed plays or whatever. That happened with Roberts in the fourth year. There were significantly fewer. So it looks like maybe Bentley's on that path this year. Yeah, and I think with with Roberts, I spoke to him a lot about that when he was on the Patriots, and, and he said that he sat down in the film room with Devin McCourty at the time with, uh, of course, uh, Brian Flores. I can't believe I forgot Brian Flores' no. name for a second. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. With Brian Flores, and he really harped on the fact that it was mental, right? It wasn't, it, it wasn't physical. No, is he – this great in-space linebacker is he a super athlete? No, but if he could, he needed to pick up on the mental aspects of the game, reading his keys, understanding route combinations, understanding what the offense is trying to do and how they're trying to attack the defensive structure, things of that nature. And once that sort of caught up to him and he sort of was able to learn those types of things and get those things down, he was able to be a little bit more instinctive, play a little bit faster. And, and you hope that that can happen with Juwan Bentley too in coverage because a lot a lot of the time that those guys aren't as slow as they look. But when you're thinking and you're reacting and you're chasing instead of being in the right spot and anticipating the spots that you're supposed to be in, you look slower on the field. I think we've discussed this a lot with Nikhil Harry, right? where everything is a second slow because he is thinking too much, right? And he, and he has to think through his movements. Instead of just running a slant route, he's thinking about running a slant route. So I think the same thing is, is true with a lot of the times with Jawan Bentley as it was with the Landon Roberts. So maybe those he has figured it out a little bit more of how to be a little bit faster, especially at his size and his athletic profile. He has to be instinctive he has to be anticipatory he cannot be reactive right he's not a reactive type of athlete so he's got to be on top of it ahead of time if they throw a play action fake at you you have to understand as an inside linebacker where the hot spots are going to be for routes behind you off those play action fakes right whether it's a seam or it's a crosser or it's a a dig or a crosser i guess or, or something over the middle of the field to get behind those linebackers you have to be quicker to that spot because you're not going to be able to bite on the fake and then get all the way back. Like, you know, some of these great athletes across the league can do. So you have to be a little bit more instinctive, anticipatory, uh, read out your keys faster and process things faster. And, and that's hopefully what we're seeing. Another guy where I think we're seeing that a little bit with as well at times is Anthony Jennings. I, I, I haven't watched Anthony Jennings as much as I would like because he's been running I would say mostly the scout team. He has, he has some opportunities with the ones as well, but he's definitely around the ball more often than he was last year. And he's seen, it seems to be clicking just a little bit for him. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's all of a sudden going to develop into, into a pro bowl caliber player or anything, but maybe a, a useful linebacker. I put him with the linebacker group. Yeah. He, he could play a little bit on the edge of the line of scrimmage as well, but they seem to at least be, favoring inside linebacker at least that like hybrid off off the line on the line type of position for him similar to like what Kyle Van Noy does for example than a true every down edge guy 
Right. I so I I'm not ready to give up on Jennings yet. I think that he's he's got tremendous natural talent. You saw it at Alabama, and I mean, come on, would he be the first guy to come to New England, have a slow year as a rookie, struggle to pick things up, but then hit his right. stride in year two or year three and figure it out? He's like the perfect candidate for that kind of guy. You know, he, he dealt with an injury his final year of college, so he's kind of coming back physically last year. He's got to learn the playbook. It was a tough year with with no off seat, with a relatively shortened off season. Right. I, I think it. some people are already jumping, oh, Jennings, bad pick. He sucks. Caught him, blah, blah, blah. Way too early to give up on Anthony Jennings. I bet there are 31 teams right now jumping at the chance that the Patriots cut Anthony Jennings. He would be a free agent for maybe five minutes. So I, it's it's way too early to give up on him. Yeah, I, I think he's done enough to not give up on him. Uh, we mentioned Rashad Berry as somebody that's sort of flashed in these training camp practices, maybe a little bit more than Jennings. And you wonder, you know, Barry is a true defensive end edge guy, not necessarily going to play much inside linebacker, but you wonder how those numbers kind of shake out with those types of guys, right? You know, the, the third round pick, the high draft pick, the top 100 guy in Jennings, an undrafted guy in Rashad Barry. To date, though, I would say, at least in practice, and in practices isn't games, but at least in practice, Barry has probably outplayed Jennings a little bit and at least made more flashes and more splash plays that he can no down that than a guy like Anthony right. Jennings. Well, we'll see how that number crunch shakes out. Poor one out for Raquan McMillan. Uh, that that's a tough yeah. that's a tough blow for him because he was really coming on, getting heaps of praise from Bill Belichick for his communication skills, his ability to pick up the defense. Looked like a player that was going to be a factor for the Pats this year, both on defense at inside linebacker as somebody a little bit more athletic than Jawan Bentley could play a little bit better in coverage, maybe play sort of a second and third down role at inside linebacker playing special teams. Another year where they signed, I think Brandon Copeland was like kind of a similar uh, type of player. Copeland ended up playing six games for the Patriots before he was injured, but they've tried to to get this type of player in house is my point, right? The fourth or fifth linebacker slash special teams ace, right? And, and, and they just seem to have some bad luck with those guys. See, I think McMillan was going to be more than that because he's only 25. I think that they maybe saw a future with this kid. And it it, suck. it really sucks because this was the whole book on him. If yeah. he stays healthy, and not just for this year, like this his whole career, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a player. And is the second torn ACL. Yeah, I think it was a hamstring injury that cost him time in his, it was his second NFL season, his first full season because he missed his rookie year with that first torn ACL. He's now had a torn ACL in both knees and it's, you know, it, it hurts. I remember he told us something when we spoke to him on Monday where he said that if we ever see him put his hands on his head after a play, he knows he screwed up. He knows he was out of place. He knows he miscommunicated. And I remember when he came out of the medical tent, when he got hurt on Tuesday, noticing he had his hands on his head. Yeah. And I was, I was like, Oh, this isn't good. Like I did. I remember like, my, cause I, I, I liked him at Ohio State. I don't root for a ton of Ohio State players. I think that program's obnoxious. I, for whatever reason, liked him at Ohio State. You remember how pumped I was when they signed him? Yeah. Uh, like, I, my, my stomach sank. Like, I just genuinely nice guy to talk to as well. It was fun talking to him at practice. And um, really good football player who just can't get a break. And you, you feel for those guys because he, he did everything right. You could tell. He was in great shape. Yeah. He had studied. He knew what he was doing coming in. First-year guy. He's talking to the right people. Belichick's talking him up, all of that. He had all this momentum. And then in a, the first pad of practice. So it's, you, you feel for the guy. Hopefully he gets better. Hopefully he bounces back. If it's not, I'd love to see it in New England. If it's not New England elsewhere, 
and hopefully this isn't it for his football career, but you know, two torn ACLs, that's scary. So I'm, I'm pulling for him to bounce back, but definitely a tough loss for the Patriots, a guy who, like you said, I think would have helped this year. And it was such a bummer too, because even though it happened in the first pad of practice, I, the, I saw the injury happen live and he was covering. Didn't you? I didn't see it. Yeah. So he was covering a punt and he was running down and, I want to say it was Marvin Hall. There was a chance it was Isaiah Zuber. It was one of those two guys, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Hall. I think I have it in my notes as Hall. And Hall just hit him with a pretty nasty cut, right? And, and all that McMillan was trying to do was leverage and force him back inside. And just – he wasn't even hitting him, right? He wasn't even going to tackle right. him live. He was just going through the paces of the drill – and Hall just hit him with a really quick cut that I don't think he was really expecting to happen. And you just kind of saw McMillan's knee buckle, and, and that was it. And now, and, and when I saw the injury, I thought I was optimistic that maybe he just kind of like turned his ankle a little bit and, and just kind of got caught off balance. And then when I heard the ACL, I was like, wow, you know, that's that's one of those non-contact just happens you know because of a sudden movement and you're you're trying to mirror the movement and the knee just gives out and, and that was a that's a bummer for that to happen on that drill it, it kind of reminds me of, remember when uh Derek Rivers tore his ACL his rookie year uh, covering a yeah. kick in practice it was that like was in it was joint with the Texans right yeah yeah it was, yeah. The, it was the same sort of thing yeah it didn't even need to hit anybody it wasn't a contact drill just tried to mirror a really quick cut from Marvin Hall and and just the knee collapsed on him. A, a true bummer for Rayquan McMillan. I, like you said, I thought he was going to have a role on this defense as well. I, I thought he was going to play some uh, for the Patriots this year on defense, and I thought he had a chance to be, what, a four or five phase special team player. Yeah. Right? You know, a guy that could really play on pretty much every special teams unit across the board. So the, the Patriots, uh, where do they go? at that spot. I mean, not that it's, you know, it's on Dante Hightower, knock on wood, but where do they go at that spot? I think this does really open the door for a guy like Jennings to step into a bigger role. Uh, Jawan Bentley's now, I think almost a roster lock. I I would say, unless he really falls off here over the next couple of weeks. Um, But uh, a tough break for Rayquan McMillan, a tough blow. Uh, There's there's one other guy. There's one other guy who could slide in there and we'll see uh, when Therese Hall, gets back from PDP. Yeah. He's somebody yeah. who skill sets. Yeah. Similar I, size. Yeah. yeah. He's going to give you that East to West coverage, you know, not as big as McMillan, maybe slightly faster though. Um, and he's definitely, you know, I, I was talking to Bob Sosie about this. Juwan Bentley is one extreme where he's just a big, pure downhill linebacker. Therese Hall is the other extreme where he's East to West quicker, more finesse. And then, you know, Raekwon McMillan was somewhere in the middle. But, yeah, I think having Hall and Bentley, assuming Hall comes back and he's healthy, we don't know what he's dealing with these on PUP, but assuming he comes back and he's good to go, that, you know, that's a good compliment for Juwan Bentley behind Donta Hightower, those two guys. So uh, I, I currently have Therese Hall as, as my last guy off or second to yeah. last guy off. But he's got to play. <laughs> he's got to get out there. Right. Well, that's why I, you know, I'm, yeah. do, I'm doing it as if they were, if they had to make the decisions today. Right. How would they do it? I have haul off, but hopefully he gets back for, for some of these joint practices and he can, he can make a run. Cause I thought he finished the year very strong last season. And I'd like to see him build on that and continue on that. 
Okay, let's talk about the secondary. Start with the cornerback position. And I wrote in my mailbag over the weekend uh, yesterday that I had some concerns about the cover talent on this team. I, I, I think J.C. Jackson looks great. John Jones looks like John Jones. You hope that Stephon Gilmore comes back and that injury and situation resolves itself because they desperately need Gilmore back in the secondary. Jawan Williams is a liability. Michael Jackson's not an NFL corner. Jalen Mills has really struggled when any time that he has to go up against a wide receiver outside. Uh, Kyle Duggar, I think, looks better in coverage. Now we're getting sort of into safeties and corners as well. But Kyle Duggar, I think, has looked better in coverage, but still isn't a finished product there. Adrian Phillips has probably been their best defensive back so far through nine practices, besides maybe JC, uh, who's really come on. They'll, the last you know three or four days especially those padded practices bunch of pass breakups interceptions uh jc is starting to turn it on a little bit but where i guess is your your concern level um with this secondary because i i do think that there are some weak links right now especially without stefan gilmore out there hi here we go again outside yeah. corner they need yeah. one you really got to ask me that at this point i know you do because we're doing this show but you really have to ask me that at this point no. they need an outside corner i was hoping it was going to be Juwan Williams. Doesn't look like it's going to be John Williams. Doesn't look right. like it's going to be Michael Jackson. This is the spot. When I used to do, when I was like, you know, before I started like actually covering the team and I was just like in high school, right? I, I would do my own roster projections. I'd do mine and then see how they compared to like Reese and Curran and all those guys. Right. I did, I thought I was so smart because I would put 52 players on the roster and leave the last spot because I know the Patriots like to grab somebody during roster cuts. Yeah, if I was still doing that, and I'm actually very tempted to do, start doing that again. Um, if I was still doing that, I'll tell you this 100%, I would leave that spot at corner. If they are going to add somebody from another team who gets cut during roster cuts or make a trade and grab somebody during roster cuts, it's got to be a corner. I think that that's where they need the most external help. Uh, it's where they need the most help to begin with. I, I, I'm not convinced that all of the corners who will be on the week one roster are on the roster currently especially if Gilmore's not ready week one. Yeah, so J.C. Jackson, John Jones, like I mentioned, those guys are playing – those guys are fine, right? Like, those guys are themselves. They're playing just fine. Uh, it's really the positions after those two guys, the spots the after those two guys, the depth, right? And yep. you just see a noticeable drop-off in cover talent, especially man coverage talent, when you start to see the quarterbacks, Cam, Mack, throw at some of these depth corners, right? Jawan Williams and Michael Jackson, for example, they've taken a ton of reps uh, uh, opposite of Nikhil Harry. And that's the that's the matchup for those two guys, right? Especially Jawan Williams, a six foot three corner. Uh, Nikhil Harry is not the fastest guy in the world, not the most electric at the top of the route. That's the type of matchup that if you're going to put Jawan Williams in the game, he should be able to cover the big body wide receiver that's going to win at the catch point. That that should be his type of matchup. And we have seen Nikhil Harry handily win that matchup in training camp so far Jawan Williams at the top of the route just doesn't have the hip fluidity he doesn't have the transition speed he doesn't have he has the length and if he can start to anticipate some of those route breaks a little bit more then maybe that can come up but he just seems a half a step slow to every every single kind of interaction at the top of the route right and uh, you worry about 
if there's an injury, but not even if there isn't an injury, if I'm an opposing offensive coordinator and I'm making a game plan to go up against this Patriots defense, I'm saying I'm not throwing at Gilmore. I'm not throwing at Jackson. I'll throw at Jones a little bit just because the slot is such a difficult spot to cover. But the guys that I'm really going to pick on are Jalen Mills, Kyle Duggar, Jawan Williams, if they throw him out there. Those guys can be had. And if I'm an opposing OC – I'm more worried about the pass rush, quite honestly, and, and keeping the quarterback upright and not throwing it at the, the two the two monsters in Gilmore and Jackson. But those other three guys on the field or four guys on the field, if you want to put an extra defensive back out there, those are the guys that I think could truly be had in the secondary. And I don't think that they're going to put any fear into anybody if, with the way that those guys are playing right now. And maybe that's a pessimistic look at it and a little bit harsh, but I, I, the way that I see it, Kyle Duggar, I think, is someone that we really should talk about because not only because it's just a player that we should talk about in general, but in terms of covering tight ends, that's the they want him to cover tight ends. Like they want him to be the Patrick Chung right. of this defense. They want him to blossom into that role. Now going up against Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry every single practice, iron sharpens iron. That's a great matchup for him to learn off of. But the veterans are definitely getting the best of him out at training camp so far. And maybe that's just a testament to how good Johnny and Hunter Henry are. And that's a good thing for the Patriots and maybe lesser tight ends. Duggar will be better against. But right now I don't. I see some improvements from Kyle Duggar in coverage, but I still think playing man-to-man one-on-one for Duggar is still something that he is kind of trying to grasp. I don't think he's quite there yet. Well, the good news, are we officially moving on to safeties now? Uh, If you want to talk talk about Juwan Williams a little bit. No, I don't. I just wanted to make sure before I moved on to the next. Because my my response to that is the good news, Adrian Phillips has been amazing covering tight ends. He's been fantastic. I think him and Jonu Smith, when they go up against each other one-on-one, those battles have been incredible. And Phillips has won most of them, but Jonu's gotten him a couple times. I So that's the good news for me is if you're going to put a safety one-on-one on on a tight end, it's probably at this point going to be Adrian Phillips. So you're going to have Kyle Duggar covering, you know, if the other team's in 12, a second tight end, maybe you're going to have him on a running back. I don't know. Yes, he, he hasn't been great against the tight ends this year. I don't know how much he's going to need to cover tight ends this year. I know that's what they want him to do. Right. And he'll still do it some, but if he's not ready to do it, it's not like they it's not like he has to do it, right? It's not like he's going to be forced into that role. I think Phillips can do it. Um and maybe maybe that's what Juwan Williams says. Maybe, you know, they look at it and they say, "Hey, all right, he finally had a shot at corner. He didn't grab it." We kind of toyed with moving him to safety. Let's just do it full time. And he'll, they'll put him out there because that he was good at covering tight ends last year. He had a good right. game against Mike Gesicki. So, you that, know, that, maybe that's, du- right. that's maybe, the option, right? Is right. Juan, Jalen Mills, Adrian Phillips, maybe those guys step up and, and fill that tight end stopper role. And that, Maybe they play a lot with six defensive backs or something like that to get that sixth guy on the field, and they free up Kyle Duggar to be sort of that roamer like I've always been clamoring him for it for him to be, right? The right. guy at the intermediate level, 10, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage that's just reading the quarterback and reacting and flying to the football. And that's what I've always wanted Kyle Duggar to be. That's what he did in college. I, 
I just think that this is a role for Kyle Duggar that could take some time for him to develop into. Maybe in years three and four, he finally starts to click in man coverage responsibilities. But I just don't think that's his natural position. I don't think that's his natural fit. And we've talked about this so many times with Kyle Duggar about the Rodney Harrison comparison, right? And and, and well, not did that you see what. Did you see what Patrick Chung posted on Instagram over the weekend? Right. He, I, I don't think he's Patrick Chung. I, I no, just but don't. I'm saying, did you see what Chung posted on Instagram over the weekend? I saw that he posted like a picture of him and Kyle Duggar, like next generation type thing, right? It was him, Duggar, and Rodney Harrison. Oh, so the two of them combined equal Kyle Duggar. Is that what he well, said? I think it was more like a timeline thing. A passing of the torch. Yeah, but uh, it was pretty cool. So I would have to really go back and watch more Rodney Harrison tape to familiarize myself with that era Patriots football. But I don't remember Rodney being a big man coverage guy. Like I I don't remember him going one-on-one against a lot of tight ends in the same vein that Patrick Chung did for his career. Right. Patrick Chung was a corner in college. If I remember correctly, then they turned him into like a corner safety player when they got him to the Patrick Chung to me in a lot of ways was a corner in the NFL. Like I, you know, I know that they probably view him as a strong safety, maybe a box safety, whichever way they want to look at it. But his job was to go out there and cover tight ends man to man. That 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 was his primary responsibility, along with some of the run responsibilities that he had. So the the problem that I have with it is sort of, I just don't think that Kyle Duggar is a natural fit for that that type of role. And I, that's why I've always said Palomalu, Rodney, those guys that he mentioned this off season as guys that he was studying, th- that's a much better fit to me. A guy that can keep his eyes in the backfield that can watch the quarterback, that can fly to the football, be around the ball, be instinctive, be an athlete. I, I, I just want to see him do that because every time I see him try to run around with Johnny Smith or Hunter Henry, it, it doesn't look like he's naturally in his right element in that spot. Yeah, I, the, the weird thing with Rodney, too, if I, and I'd be interested to see what you come up with if you went back and you watched that tape, but it, it's a very different game now. I don't know that you could play the way Rodney Harrison played in the modern NFL. Sure. So sure. that Palomalu was a little later, so maybe maybe there, as much as I hate comparing a Patriots player to Troy Palomalu, but, you know, I Rodney, was, Rodney Harrison was Rodney Harrison – because of the physicality. And I don't think that, like, that was a huge part of his game. He was also opinion. super instinctive, though, right? And he was... He it was, but it was it was turning that, those instincts. It There was a fear level with Rodney Harrison. Sure. He hit you sure. once at the beginning of the game, and that one hit would carry for 60 minutes because you, you just, you didn't want it again. You sure. didn't want to take that hit again. You can't really do that anymore. You sort of can, but not really. And I think that was a bit, like, Kyle Duggar can be intimidating. I'm not sure he can't. He, I'm not saying he can't be intimidating. You can't intimidate people the way Rodney Harrison did anymore. You just, it's not in the game anymore. Sure. I, maybe the intimidation factor wouldn't be there, but I, I still come back to what I've been saying all offseason about Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar is a natural zone defender in coverage. 
right? Whether it's deep zone or it's robber, whatever you want to use him as, I, I, I would just say with his skill set and his body type, robber is probably more than what he what he would do than playing like a true center field role like he's Devin McCourty, right? So you play him in the box, you have him drop into low zones, you have to have him drop in that robber role or intermediate zone at the sticks, and you just have him read and react to the quarterback and, and then fly to the football. I think that and I wanted to bring up Jalen Mills next because yeah. he's been somebody that I've been concerned about all the training camp because you put him out there at outside corner. He cannot cover uh, a Nelson Aguilar, right? He can't, I, I don't even know if he can cover a Kendrick Bourne or Jacoby Myers. He has really struggled covering wide receivers in man to man all throughout camp. I, I continue to just be perplexed by this contract and, and just what the role is here. I know everybody wants to talk to me about versatility and he's going to play here and he's going to play there. And, and I hope that's how it works out. And I'm sure that Bill Belichick will figure a role for him because he's Bill Belichick. But I, I still look at this contract. I look at this signing and I say, they need to have a clear cut plan in place to make, get the best out of this player. Because if they just throw him out there at outside corner and then they tell him to cover, you know, Jalen Waddle or, or Devonte Parker or on week one, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. And if I'm two at Tagovailoa and I'm the Miami Dolphins, I am just going to throw it at number two all game long. Real quick to backtrack. Cause I, I really like this in the comments. Somebody said Duggar might be closer to Lawyer Malloy than Rodney Harrison. So if you do end up going back and looking back on that, yeah. maybe that's something to watch. I I was seven when they cut Lawyer Malloy, so I don't have a great point of reference for that. Um, with with Mills, yeah, I'll talk to you about versatility. I think that's yeah. that that's why you signed Jalen Mills. Is he was the only player last year to line up in on at least seven different positions for at least fifteen snaps. So he, you know, he, he lined up anywhere from deep safety to defensive end for the Eagles last year. I, I love the possibilities of that. I really do. If you're, and he's probably, you know, they might've overpaid him a little bit, but if that's the role he's going to play here, Bill Belichick has a way to maximize those players. I think he'd be better in that role here than he was in that role in Philly last year. So in that sense, I like the contract. If you sign him just to be your third outside corner, I, I don't love it. I don't love it. There were better pure outside corners you could have had for comparable money. You're, you pay Jalen Mills that money so he can play all over the field, not so he can play just one position. He's going to play some outside corner because that's part of it, but not a ton. And, you know, maybe this is just they know that's Gilmore's role. They know they don't have the, the third depth guy, and they're just putting Jalen Mills out there now, but so he doesn't get to practice his real position. That kind of hurts him too. It hurts his development. So I, you know... They need they it all goes down to figuring out that that third outside corner. If they do yeah. that, you put Jalen Mills back where he needs to be. I'd like to see them do that that sooner rather than later, right? So that Mills can actually get some practice where he's going to play in the regular season instead of just repping it outside corner. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, it is a little concerning that that we're not seeing him in that wild card role yet. I I want to see him there. I want to see what he can do there. And to this point, with Gilmore out, you're right. He's just been an outside corner. Yeah, he's like. Like a liability, an outside quarter. I hate to say it. I, I hate to pick on a guy, but it's just, it's a concern yes. if they're going to put him out there. It is. And, and like I said, if they if that's, they line up week one because they, Stephon Gilmore is still injured or they can't resolve the contract or, or whatever. And it's, and it's Jalen Mills versus Jalen Waddell or Devontae Parker or the third receiver on Miami. I'm still throwing it at number two. Situationally in the right moments, 
a couple snaps a game, five to ten snaps a game at outside corner, I I wouldn't say he's That's a liability. If, if you he's pick your spot, Jason McCourty's replacement, then he's going to play a lot right. more than five to ten snaps at outside it's, corner. Exactly. It's it's the volume at which it's not just him playing outside corner. It's the volume at which he plays outside corner is the question. Yeah, yeah, that 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 I can agree with. Uh, what about Miles Bryant? I feel like uh, this is a name that maybe people have forgotten about a little bit because of all the new additions and stuff like that. Uh, he's played a lot on the scout team defense. I think it's clear to me that they view him as a slot corner and maybe a little bit of safety, uh, but more, I'd say it'd be, you know, 75, 25, 70, 30, something like that. And that to me is John Jones's role. Right. Like I, I think that the role that they have in mind for him is eventually maybe taking over for John Jones. But Jones is here for another two years. At least he's already he's still a very, very good player. I, the reps for Miles Bryant is going to be the problem. Right. He's an NFL cornerback uh, or NFL defensive back, if you want to call him. A, a, a yeah. Wolf. But the problem is, is going to be the reps right because you have john jones is going to man the slot that, that that spot is not in jeopardy and then you have guys like mills and phillips and duggar and, and other players that you want to play inside the formation that are obviously bigger and and, and tougher inside than a guy like miles Bryant. although he did take down Ramondre stevenson twice the other day so maybe i shouldn't yeah. throw that word around too much but uh, what what happens with miles Bryant? because i i don't want this to end in the situation where the patriots kind of have to cut miles bryant just because they don't have a spot for him and they lose a good player uh, what about deep safety what about you know if you're going to be play if you're going to put phillips yeah. on on tight ends and you're going to put duggar in the box and mills is going to be the outside corner you need somebody to play next to, to devin mccourty when you want to go too high and i thought you know I, I thought bryant was really good at that last year i think that maybe the most important skill and evan correct me if i'm wrong i think the most important trait for a, a back-end, you know, last line of defense safety, you have to be instinctual. You have to be able to see things, yeah. recognize okay. them, and react instantly. And I think Miles Bryant has a tremendous football IQ. His yeah. ability to see something. And look, there were blips last year where he struggled with it, but that was as a rookie. And instincts is one of those traits, one of those rare traits where it doesn't fade with age. You just constantly get better. So I think Miles Bryant's a very instinctual player. I'd really like to see him more on the back end. I, I know you said like him replacing John Jones. I think that's maybe a, a, a potential path for him. I wouldn't hate it if they moved him to safety full time. I think that's a, that's a role he could play as well. So the problem with it is that if you're going to be a last line of defense, Devin McCourty type player for Bill Belichick, tackling is the number one thing tackling most important thing if you can't tackle and you you are not going to play free safety for Bill because he's a tackler he's a pretty good tackler but he's the got a size small, is an issue the size is an issue he's got a small tackle radius the the reason why and it's obvious right is those 20 yard runs that go on the Patriots don't turn into 60 yard runs because Devin McCourty gets the guy down Right. right. And when you guys have guys in the open field, Devin McCourty is able to get the angle on him and get him out of bounds before they, he houses it. Right. That that's why tackling is so important on the back end for the Patriots. And Devin McCourty has just been a great tackler in that respect. He's not the most physical tackler, but a great leverage tackler, a great tackler in space throughout his entire career. And if you cannot tackle consistently at deep safety, then Belichick will not play you back there point blank so that I think is really going to be the biggest problem for Miles Bryant is if he's going to develop into a full-time safety then he's going to have to be able to tackle 
consistently and not get run over by Ramondre Stevenson's, right? Like he, the, those types of plays can't happen if he's going to play safety for Belichick. Yeah, I don't know that I'm necessarily saying I like I'm penciling him as Devin McCourty's replacement, but Deron Harmon's right. That second safety where We've talked about that a lot. Yeah, right. And, he's and on I, the field situationally where right. you know you don't necessarily have to worry about him taking down a 220 pound running back. He's on the field where you know third and long, that kind of thing, where where you know that it's going to be a pass and that you know last line of defense against a screen play against a run there's a, a much lower chance of him having to be in that spot. Right. So I, I definitely feel like there's a, there's a opportunity up for grabs, whether it's Duggar, whether it's Mills, whether it's uh, Miles Bryant. I, I think that those are an op- options there for that, de- that Doron Harmon role last year. It was kind of Jason McCourty and John Jones. They sort of mixed and match back there, whether it's going too high, whether it's moving Devin McCourty around so that there's a new post safety deep and Devin McCourty is playing closer to the line of scrimmage or playing robber or something like that. Uh, that that's definitely an opportunity there. Now, I, I think that with that role, I would love Kyle Duggar to take that on and, and really rise up to that occasion. But I think Jalen Mills has a good chance to play back there as well as sort of that that extra deep safety. And I, I last year they started to do it a little bit more. I think this year they might start to do it even more than they did last year, and that's playing two high structures. Belichick has been typically a single high structure guy. He loves post safety. He loves uh, to have that extra guy in the box against the run. But in today's day and age, they're going to play teams like Miami. They're going to play teams like Buffalo. They're going to play teams like Kansas City in the AFC, right? And when you're playing, you're going up against these teams that are spread offenses predominantly and have so much speed on the field and want to spread you out and want to attack you down the field. I I do think that you're going to see a lot more too high from the Patriots moving forward. And they're going to have to have somebody that consistently do that. So that's going to be a really interesting spot to look at, I I would say. And uh, maybe we'll get into some of that more in the joint practices a little bit in the preseason games. And as we get closer to Miami, because when you go up against Miami, right, you have Devontae Parker on one side and you have Jalen Waddle on the other side. Oh, and you're going to have to be able to cover those two guys deep. And the whole idea of the Miami offense is going to be to get vertical and get those guys up the field. So right. I, I think that you are going to start to incorporate a lot more too high stuff because that is, to me, where the league is going in general, right? We, we talk about this uh, trickle-up effect from college all the time in the college game the new go-to coverage is quarters, right? Four deep across. And and they're playing so much of that because of these spread offenses, because of these RPO heavy offenses, because of these vertical attacks, it's just easier to protect the back end. And there's ways to fit it, uh, even with two high safeties where you're going to be okay against the run. So uh, I think especially with some of these block years that they have up front, they're able to take back a gap, even if if they are a man short, because they have Devon Godshaws and Lawrence Guys and people of that size, I, I think that that's where we're going to see a lot more integration. They they like to run cover two. Maybe they'll run a little bit more quarters. I, I don't know how much, you know, it's going to be percentage-wise. I'm sure that they'll still be very heavy cover one and cover three man, uh, or not man, but match, I, I should say. Um, but I, I'm very interested to see if they play even more too high this year because of the teams that they're going to go up against. Miami and Buffalo in your division, that's four games right there where you should probably see a lot more too high than what they've had in the past. But again, and not that I'm breaking news here, you have to have the personnel to do it. 
And that's maybe where Miles Bryant comes in if he can, you know, sure up that tackling a little bit. Yeah, or yeah, and I like Jalen Mills as an option back there as well. That too, yeah, yeah, yeah and maybe he can be a little bit better as a zone defender, a deep zone defender, taking half the field instead of having to cover a wide receiver. He's just kind of bracketing a wide receiver or keeping the top on the defense and stuff like that. Maybe that's a better role for him as well. All right, so. On part one yesterday, Saturday morning, we broke down the offense. We just did the defense. Uh, the Patriots will be back out at practice at 3.30 this afternoon. So we'll have another show for you either tonight or tomorrow morning. Two days, baby. Two days. Let's go. It's going to be a late night for me. So we'll see We'll see if we can pull it off tonight. If not, we'll do it same around the same time tomorrow morning on Monday to recap what happened uh, tonight uh, at Sunday's practice. Alex, are you going to watch the Revs while you're writing uh, later today? or? What, what I mean, they're a wagon. I, I, yeah, I, I might have to. They're, they're a yeah, good they're... freaking team. And I, you know, I'm not the biggest soccer fan, but I can enjoy anything I have rooting interest in. And, it, you know, they are a local team, so I have rooting interest, and it yeah. helps when the team is good. There's yeah. a Boston sportsman about the Revs. Yeah, I go Revs. I mean, the, the Revs might be – are the Revs the best team in Boston right now? Probably. Yeah, with the Red Sox completely imploding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you Chris go. Chris Sale, by the way, breaking news during the show. Chris Sale will be back on Saturday. I, I, I saw that. That's what I've been doing in the background here. There you go. All right, well, I, I like to hear that. Hopefully Chris Sale can be the savior and, and, and bring back the Red Sox from this uh, doom and gloom post-deadline, uh, like – what walk the of shame they've been on kind of i guess the the best way to describe it Uh, like i mentioned alex and i will be back on the podcast we'll keep you updated on twitter easy lazar and real alex barth and alex uh congratulations on your uh guest hosting yesterday on 98 sports of uh i i don't know if anybody i think you you said a few callers called in from somebody somebody did call in and say they listened to this show so whoever i can't remember the name i apologize but I, i appreciate that was actually very cool to hear that on the air so thank you very much whoever that yeah, was th- thank you for shouting out the pod and like i said uh one more time we will be back uh, sometime tonight or maybe tomorrow morning to break down sunday's practice that starts at 3 30 it is open to the public uh it is not in the stadium it's behind the stadium in the training camp fields but Tuesday if is tuesday's in the stadium right? i believe that's right yeah. yes so if you got nothing better to do, uh, come on out. Uh, or even if you have better things to do, but just want to see. You don't, you don't have anything better to do. Those three, you don't have anything better to do. Come on out. Come on out this afternoon at 3.30. Uh, it's a nice time, right, for, for fans to come out and see them practice because it's not at 9 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday, right? You know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a much better time to, uh, to do that. So go ahead and uh, come on out at 3.30. We'll see you guys out there if you are out there. And we'll be back on the podcast either tonight or tomorrow morning to break down Sunday's practice. And Alex, uh, Thursday night, first preseason game already against the Washington football team, 7.30 kickoff on Thursday. It's hard to believe that we're already almost at the pre- first preseason game, but we're, we're almost there. I I, we're, I, we're going to do a preseason game preview. I'm all, I'm all checked. All right. We, we can do that. And we can uh, give out some DraftKings uh, daily fantasy, uh, you know, pick up. Uh, they do that for the preseason. Oh yeah. And it's the best because you got to really know the, right. the players. Do right? they have um for the in-stadium practice that they have it? Cause Quinn Nordine. Oh no, that's what I, I meant to. I, I was going to ask you about this off the air, but since we're talking about this and the yes. Patriots are going to play the Eagles, your guy, Tyree Jackson, have you seen this? No. 
Do you remember Tyree Jackson? If you don't oh, remember, I remember Tyree Jackson, yeah. a quarterback for people who don't know, he's a quarterback from, from University Buffalo. of Buffalo, yes. University at Buffalo, class 2019. Big dude, 6'7, 245, mobile quarterback. Evan loved him. Um, he he's now a tight end. He's transitioning to oh tight end this God. year. Ooh. He's apparently killing it in Eagles camp as a tight end. Wow. I, 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 we'll I can't see wait. in two weeks, but do you think he remembers me? I mean, the height discrepancy was pretty, I, gotta, I have to go find that picture. You need to talk to him. Oh, you need to talk to him when the joint practices are in Philly, but we know the Patriots love to sign guys from joint practices. We'll get into this more in two weeks, but I saw yeah. it the other day. I had to tell you. I loved Tyree Jackson coming out. Huge arm, great athlete, like Cam Newton light, right? Like just, just had a lot of the same running skill. Uh, just a, a really good athlete. So hopefully he can make it as a tight end. That's a bummer that that he that he's not going to make it as a quarterback. But uh, whatever. That that that's uh, yeah. That's the time for Philly joint practices. I will be in Philly for the practice portion of the week. So I can tell you uh, if Tyree Jackson uh, remembers me and and how, and how good he's playing out there. But uh, once again, we'll see you later today. Maybe tomorrow morning. We'll break down today's practice. Practice all week is at three o'clock in the afternoon uh, on the, today. It's three thirty today. Yeah, and then, the storm or whatever. Right, and then on Monday and Tuesday at three. So we're we're yeah. gonna have some later nights. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on the schedule. But until then, signing off for Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.